Hey everybody, welcome to the inaugural Shakedown Cruise of the Mainland Podcast. I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of the Mainland, SB Nation blog. And uh, with me this evening for this uh, maiden voyage is our assistant editor and senior columnist, Andrew Marcinko. Andrew, how's it going? It's going well, Michael. How are you? <laughs> Doing well. Um, we uh, we here at the the mainland we like our lion puns. I mean, uh, you might say we take a lot of pride in them. Uh, uh, the, the mainland, obviously, M A N E, mainland, two words, and then the podcast. We have uh, instead of where it would normally be P O D, we're P A W E D. So, you know, I think that was something that kind of kind of sets us apart and like sort of aligns us with our Orlando City Lions. This is a podcast. If you're unaware, I don't know why you clicked on this. If you're unaware, uh, a podcast devoted to uh, talking about Orlando City and uh, the MLS club and all things related. So we might, you know, get into USL Pro a little bit with our affiliation with the. Uh, Louisville City FC, and also our agreement with Benfica over in Portugal. That may come up from time to time. But, uh, Andrew, what I want to talk to you about on this um, sort of beta test of this podcast is, first of all, we're going to talk about the dispersal draft that just took place for Chivas USA players. There's not a lot to talk about, obviously, because we didn't, uh, opted not to take anyone. But the uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, there were some useful players on that team. Why do you think the Lions didn't bite on anyone? I, I think, honestly, what it came, comes down to is, well, first off, useful players is a, a strong word. I guess useful is about the best thing you could say. There wasn't a ton of talent to be had on that team. Obviously, goalkeeper Dan Kennedy was probably the big name. But, you know, as people know, Kubo Torres wasn't available. They're going to disperse him through whatever made-up MLS way they decide to disperse him <laughs> as the season goes on here, or the offseason goes on here. So were there, was there any all-star big-time talent that was going to be a building block of our team that we could have taken? No. I think what it came down to is that I think a lot of teams simply just didn't want the deals that would have come with the players that were available. Guys like Rear Coker is just going to be available for a better deal if he wants to stick around MLS. Um, and they'll be able to renegotiate or, or re-sign them to different contracts since they weren't selected in that dispersal draft. Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, I thought maybe they would take a, a flyer on a younger guy that didn't cost a lot that might be somebody that could provide depth. Um, that didn't happen, obviously. Um, you know, the, the coaching staff and general manager of Orlando City have been scouting far and wide for quite some time and talking about the players that they'd like to see on the team and they have their ideas of what players best fit their system. So I guess it really comes down to there wasn't anyone on the Chivas USA roster that was available um, for them to, to grab and, you know, that would have, that they thought, you know, was worth taking. I mean, every, everybody that they're looking at outside of that was probably higher on their list. So Yeah, you know, I thought uh, that I thought Caleb Talbert, who went right after us in the eighth slot to Colorado, they, they picked him up right after we passed on our pick. I thought he's a good young player. He has some potential to go somewhere as a, as a target striker type in this league. But part of the problem for Orlando City is we just don't need more developmental projects. 
our team right now is is chock full of eighteen year olds. We need some yeah. some senior talent, some some veteran experience on there. So I think the prospect of even though Target Forward is definitely a need for us, the prospect of picking up another developmental young project just didn't really appeal to uh, Coach E. Right. So Andrew, let me ask you this: uh, the expansion draft's coming up, and we just had the mock expansion draft uh, with the other SB Nation sites, which you and I. Uh, sort of handled for the mainland. Um, how useful was that mock expansion draft, do you think? And, uh, you know, what kind of similarities do you think we'll see on December 10th? <laughs> I mean, it, it's it might have even been less useful than Chivas USA's roster, if that was possible. <laughs> um, you know, it was a fun exercise. It was great to see, particularly who the other SB Nation blogs thought the teams might leave available um, uh-huh. and who might be out there. That was great, but as far as predicting that process, it's just really a shot in the dark. Uh, rumors I'm hearing, the reports are saying that we might end up, you know, trading or, or dealing some of these spots, not selecting people um, with at least a few, and really just tough to say what direction they're going to go. Obviously, at this point, Coach Heath probably has a few other free agents and even maybe another designated player in mind maybe a couple. So mm-hmm. if he's already got someone lined up to play striker as a designated player, we're probably not going to go after a guy like, say, Eddie Johnson, who came up when we did the expansion draft here this week. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the uh, the interesting thing to me, like you said, was watching some of the players that, that other sites didn't think their teams would protect for whatever reason. Maybe they thought they were cost prohibitive or that they just... Uh, you know that we wouldn't Orlando City or New York City FC wouldn't select those players for whatever reason but i, I kind of thought it was it was strange to see New England leave both Bob Shuttleworth and Teal Bunbury unprotected we of course took Bunbury in in our draft and for some reason uh NYC FC i think if i were them i would have taken Shuttleworth first i don't think i would have gone into this this season thinking yeah Josh Saunders is our one and only guy if Shuttleworth was available. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that either. Obviously, he's been a great player, scored a lot of goals for them. Um, and, and, I mean, with Bunbury, it's an obvious choice. I think he put it best. He's just the best talent available. I feel like I'm not sure he's the, the perfect player, the ideal fit for Orlando system with a Kaká kind of player running the show, but he just has too much talent to pass up. If nothing else, we can turn around and trade him or deal him for, for something of more value to us. Yeah, what do you think about New York City FC, though, and Shuttleworth? Do you think they would have nabbed him, you know, in reality, if, if a goalie of that caliber were available? Yeah, who do they have signed already for keeper right now? They have Josh Saunders, right. uh, who played in the NASL. Yeah, I, I mean, it might fall into the, the the just the best talent available sort of position. Again, it sort of depends what they think they can get him for a trade value thing. I'm not sure off the top of my head what his contract looks like. I'm not sure if you yeah, know. Uh, I don't know off, off the top of my head, but I'm I'm thinking that um, money-wise, uh, New York City FC isn't going to shy away from too much. Um, you know, they'll be able to fill in around their their high-priced guys, I think, pretty well. But um, one thing I, that I did like about it was that you and I sort of went into the expansion draft, the mock expansion draft, thinking. In terms of what Orlando City's needs were, uh, we, we, we addressed center back and striker and goalkeeper 
uh, depth and defensive mid. Those were those were target areas that that you know the club has and Adrian Heath has talked about. But uh, you know I don't think I don't think New York City FC addressed it the same way that we did, um, or I should say. Uh, Hudson River Blue, the blog that uh, represent, represented New York City FC. We went in with the with just like a, a mission of we're going to fill the needs that the team has because that's sort of what we've heard from the club mm-hmm. uh, that they need veteran players that have MLS experience, and those are the target areas. So, how do you think players aside? Because probably not going to be anything you know like what we drafted because probably different people will be available. How do you think Orlando City's approach will line up with our approach? I think that's one area where you're going to see a lot of similarities. I think, you know, everyone and their mom here is on the same page. Orlando City needs some veteran talent, um, particularly at the center back position. Uh, At some point, we need to pick up a more or less a starting sort of center defensive midfielder, a more defensive minded midfielder to back up Kaká. And then at some point, we need that striker. Again, where the problem comes in with this is with the designated players. I don't think anyone knows right now exactly who Heath and Rollins are talking to, if there's someone already lined up. Um, again, Eddie Johnson comes in the player. If we don't have a striker in mind, he makes sense to pick up in the expansion draft, and I think he almost certainly will be made available by D.C. United. So that makes sense if we don't have another striker, but I think you're definitely going to see a lot of veteran center backs Center back, not typically the position where you're going to see teams bring in a designated player at. There's a lot of American center back talent out there, and in general, in the MLS at this moment. We picked up Nat Borchers from Real Salt Lake with our first pick in that expansion draft. Uh, I believe we grabbed uh, David Horst later on from Houston. Uh, Two guys, veteran center backs. They've been in MLS for years. They can start right off the bat, year one guys who can play a lot of minutes for you at center back. And I think that's sort of what we need at the moment. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, a strong club down the middle is what Adrian Heath's going to want. That means center backs, uh, defensive mid behind Kaká, and a a target striker. So, um, you know, if the team is strong down the center, I think you're going to see a larger chance of success. Speaking of larger chance of success, the... Uh, a writer for Sports Illustrated this week came out with a story saying his sources tell us that, or told him, that the playoff pool was going to grow to 12 teams next year. That hasn't happened yet, but it still could. And that uh, two of those extra teams that get in are going to be, you know, single-game knockouts uh, like we currently have. And um, so basically that means that six of the ten teams in each conference are going to make the playoffs. That certainly improves Orlando City's chances of making the postseason their first year. What do you think of that plan by MLS? I'm going to say I I could not be less excited or more against that. (laughs) To come out with a a bold statement, whichever way you want to phrase it there, I I just – I don't like it because it cheapens the regular season. You have – I believe it's going to be now a majority of the teams in the league will make the the playoffs. I I mean – Right, 60%. Yeah, Yeah. which is just – um, way too much in my opinion. You know, it, a it cheapens the playoffs, um, but b it's going to make those those long summer games, uh, to, the games taking place during the summer in the regular season, just less important. 
every game holds just less meaning when so many teams are going to have a shot to win the title in the end. We look at the most successful sport uh, professional league in America, NFL professional uh, American football, and, and, and we see every single game of that season matters so, so much. And we all know that. I watch football. I get excited every Sunday because I know that every game is important. Every team out there is going to give it 110% to win that weekend. Uh, when you start getting into this with, with the MLS, where most of the teams are going to make the playoffs, teams with losing records below 500 could very well make the playoffs next year if this ends up being the case. And that, to me, who's going to turn into that, you know, that summer game to watch, you know, whoever play whoever when it's really it doesn't mean anything in the end. Well, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. The NFC South is terrible, and one of those teams is going to make the playoffs and get a home playoff game um, in the NFL. And here's the other thing, too. The MLS is doing this. Apparently, from SI sources, they're going to do it starting next year. But MLS is also growing. And so that percentage is 60% now, but it's going to drop and become comparable to the other American sports leagues over time as more expansion teams are added. So do you still object to more teams down the road as we expand, or is it just like currently for 20 teams you don't want to see six teams from each conference? I mean, I guess the goal for 2020 is 24 teams in the league by 2020 here. So if that goal sticks, We've got a lot of years to go here before we're even up to 24 teams total. And I would still say 12 is too much for a 24-team league, um, in, in my opinion. It's just, it reminds me a little of the NBA. Um, and I'm not a big NBA fan. If you follow me on Twitter, I'll occasionally rant about how much I hate the NBA. But um, it, it's just, it seems like the regular season doesn't matter at all. I can't bring myself to watch an NBA basketball game during the regular season because it's just like, you don't really bother playing defense. Heck, the Spurs don't even start half their players half the time because they're resting them for the playoffs because, hey, the regular season games don't matter. And that's what scares me about this. How often would the Red Bulls have started Thierry Henry this year if this was the case? If they know they could just kind of coast into the playoffs, would we have seen them not start Thierry Henry for half the games? He's already skipping all the games they play on turf. Could be the same thing with a lot of the you know aging veteran star type players and Let's be frank here. MLS is still a growing league. We're still, what, the fifth league in the country here? It, it, we're not so much there that we can afford having the stars just sitting out games to rest. We need the best product on the field every single week throughout the season. I agree with that. I, I agree that the best players have to play, and it kind of drives me crazy when uh, they go to CONCACAF Champions League and don't play anybody from the regular roster and gets just smoked by some Mexican side or right, something. Right. Um, here's the thing, though, about... I, I don't think the Red Bulls necessarily is a good example because their playoff positioning was very precarious throughout the late part of the year. Sure. Um, if you had gone with it this year, I think um, if the same thing had been in place, uh, it would have been, what, Portland Timbers would have gotten in in the West and in the East. Uh, I can't recall off the top of my head who finished behind New York. I'm not sure. Um, but um, Chicago. So it's so it's one more team per. Maybe it was Philadelphia. Um, I can't recall off the top of my head. But anyway, you know, so you get one more team per. I think where it comes into play is it would allow those top teams to rest guys down the stretch, really, because they would have already clinched. But uh, I don't think those those middle to lower 
teams fighting for positioning would really be able to take a whole lot of time off. But uh, it, it'll be an interesting thing, Andrew, to watch as we move forward to see if that, in fact, does come out, because there has been a lot of negative uh, pushback, although that's never stopped MLS. <laughs> well, a, lot of, a lot of negative pushback on the, the away goals, uh, which apparently is staying in place as well. Yeah, you know, I will say one thing. I, I've been a big fan of Don Garber, um, the president of MLS, for, for the majority of his tenure. I, I've started to see a little bit of chirping on Twitter. On, I guess we'll call it soccer Twitter, hashtag soccer Twitter, um, <laughs> about... Uh, about, you know, people complaining about some of his actions and stuff. And I, I think, I mean, it's hard to fault the guy. He's done a great job. We look where the MLS is after after almost 20 years here. So I, I will give him a little benefit of the doubt on this one. Okay. Uh, what do you think about the away goals rule? I mean, it's obviously, it's been around for a long time in, in Champions League. UEFA Champions League um, and other competitions in Europe. Uh, it's not catching on with the fans here in the U.S., it seems like. Yeah, another another hashtag soccer Twitter issue over the last couple of weeks here. You saw that kind of explode on there. Um, I like it, to be honest. I, I think it adds an interesting sort of strategy to the game. Um, we, we know that soccer's not a game that's necessarily built on a lot of overtimes. Uh, you know, penalty kicks are fun once in a while, but they're not really... The best, you know, we've obviously heard that argument out of Europe that they want to do away with them entirely because it's yeah. just it's not really even a relevant thing in the game uh, as a way to decide, you know, incredibly meaningful matches. So I, I liked it. I, I thought it was exciting watching the playoffs this year with teams going in knowing that, you know, two to one win wouldn't be enough to move through, even though it was tied on aggregate, uh, as was the case with, with Seattle there, uh, I think. So. To me, it's good. Yeah, it adds a little bit of complexity, a little different strategy. You get a lot of these occasions where a win really isn't a win, but yeah. I, I like it. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think for one thing, it, one thing that it does is it aligns our game with the European game, which I think is a good thing. Yes. Um, and another thing that it does is it, I mean, your Seattle got to benefit from it in the first round or the semifinal round, and right. then in the conference final round, they 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 were you know victimized by it. So I think it it it's it, it's an interesting rule. There has to be a good way to to solve you know ties in aggregate, and it's not worth you know doing an exhibition of penalties to decide something like this. Penalties are essentially, as we've seen over through the years are a coin flip, and that's no real way to decide the winner of a game. Um, I, I just don't see how you can send one team home and the other team gets to advance on something so arbitrary you know, uh, as, as penalty kicks. It's like, it's like not going into extra innings in baseball, but just having a home run derby instead. Right. Yeah, yeah so, I, I, I agree. I think it works well here. I think it was a good fit for the playoffs, and I hope they keep going with it. So anyway, um, we're going to kind of wrap things up here. We're going to keep this first one pretty light, but our plan is going forward to, to do these um, monthly in the off-season, and the podcast will be a recurring weekly uh, event during the season. And, you know, the format may change over time, uh, but, you know, what we kind of envision is that, um, you know, myself or one of our staff writers will be the host and they'll have another mainland person on with them and then they'll have a guest and that kind of thing so and you can also uh, email us and we'll answer any questions you might have uh, you can email us at 
themainland at gmail.com or hit up our The Mainland Twitter account. Uh, so, uh, Andrew, thanks for being with us on this maiden voyage, this beta test of our Mainland podcast. We'll be back soon-ish, probably. Uh, not um, uh, not going to have like a regular schedule right out of the gate, but uh, eventually this thing will be available on iTunes and uh, people will be able to subscribe and that kind of thing. So uh, we're pretty excited about this. We're excited about the move to SB Nation. It'll be any day as we record this. It is the uh, 3rd of December, and um, we should be moving into our new home at SB Nation you know, you know, within a day or two. So uh, thanks for listening to this first edition of Mainland Podcast. Keep this because it's going to be a collector's item. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Andrew, you got anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? I mean, can you sell a podcast on eBay? How does that how does that work exactly where it's where it's worth money to these guys? <laughs> well, you know, you can you can record it onto one of those disc thingies which will be obsolete a, if they aren't already. Yeah, I don't I don't know what that is anymore. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, no, that's Real. great. I think I'm always it's great <laughs> talking to you as always, Michael, and I'm looking forward to uh doing this more often. Great. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. We'll be back soon, and uh, we'll, of course, watch for announcements on the Mainland Twitter feed and on our website. Uh, until next time, I am Michael Citro on behalf of Andrew Marcinko. Thanks for listening. <laughs>